Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. Guys, I am here with director Connie Kokia and Jonathan Samo. He plays Caden in the new film When Time Got Louder. It stars Willow Shields, uh, Lachlan Monroe, and Elizabeth Mitchell. And it's the story of this family. The mom, the dad, the sister, uh, and the, the brother is autistic and nonverbal. It's really impactful to me specifically because I have a Caden at home and he has uh, older brothers. So I understand, um, I don't want to use the word burden, but I understand the sense of responsibility that Abby in the film played by Willow feels. And it's incredible to see such representation. So welcome. Thank you guys for joining me, Connie. Where, how did you come to this? (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having us and thank you for sharing your personal connection. I think I've always been really touched through the making of this film by how many people, of course, are impacted by having a loved one on the autism spectrum um, and the opportunity and privilege we have to talk about how it impacts these families. I do have a brother who is on the autism spectrum and profoundly impacted and nonverbal. And so that was kind of the fruition of the story is um, my passion to show how, you know, these families who have an individual that's more profoundly impacted by autism and how that, you know, re- interacts with the entire family and the sibling bond. And uh, something that was just really important to me was to show someone like Caden, uh, because there's so many fantastic autism films out there, but they usually show savant and gifted-like individuals. And while those are really important stories as well, they don't reflect the reality for most families. So for us, it was really trying to encapsulate what someone like Caden goes through on a daily basis, but also how that impacts the family unit and the importance that these siblings play in their brother or sister's life. Right. A thousand percent. It does impact the entire family. What Caden's and Abby's parents are kind of being faced with. And this is something that it kind of breaks my heart, like on an almost daily basis is that concept of does he need to be somewhere else? away from them because nobody takes care of your baby as, as well as you do. And then mm-hmm. Abby, she has such a great connection with Caden that she takes part of that heavy responsibility off of the parents to, to where they're dependent on her, but not in, not in like a, a horrible parent way. Just, it, just, it's a fact. She's really good with him. She can get him out of, you know, whatever funk he might be in. She can get him to air quotes, talk to her you know, to communicate with her. But also, how is her life supposed to just be put on hold for the for the rest of it? She she gets accepted to the school of her dreams across the country. She wants to to move and grow and, and be, but also she feels just that weight of the connection with her brother Caden played so incredibly by Jonathan. It's something that's very relatable, like you said, to people that uh, are the loved ones of somebody on the spectrum. It's a horrifying place to find yourself as a parent. For me personally, not to, this is not about me, but for me personally, it's something that outsiders will say to parents or will say to family members. Don't you think he, or shouldn't she be? No, you have absolutely no say in that situation. It's a horrible, heartbreaking decision sometimes. 
So. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you can obviously tell when you're speaking that you're living it firsthand because I think there is a an understanding between families within the autism community of what they go through on a day to day basis, but that isn't as readily understood in general society. And that's what we hope that our film will do is just, you know, shed a light into how much this this diagnosis is an individual diagnosis, but it also is a diagnosis for the family because it impacts every single member of the family in their own way. And, uh, you know, we say often that if you've met one person with autism, you've only met one person with autism. And it's very similar for the families as well, right? Each family's dynamic and story is unique. And so while our story is fictitious, obviously I drew on some of my experiences of having a brother on the spectrum and the important, you know, relationship and best friend bond that I have with him and also trying to encapsulate what these, you know, what some of the commonalities between all the parents are, you know, this, the mother's very much wanting to nurture and care and protect, which I think Elizabeth uh, Mitchell does such a spectacular job in our film and the father's trying to push their child to be more independent. You know, we just wanted to try to make a film that touched a little bit about, upon how the whole family is, uh, you know, experiencing having a, a son or daughter on the spectrum and the, and all the beautiful moments as well, right? We all know the, the hardships and the challenges that we face, but also some of the more lighthearted, warm moments. And I think we had such a spectacular cast that was able to really bring that uh, to light in our story. Absolutely. And there's a lot of, just like you said, like a parent can absolutely love their their child they could they'd be willing to lay down their life for them but mm -hmm. still sometimes say things that the other parent is like what don't baby him or he'll never learn if it's like whoa and then you have division <laughs> between you and the other parent when you're supposed to be this and that's why life is just so chaotic but you're supposed to be this unified front against the rest of the world so it's like, no, we fight too. <laughs> it's like, it's not perfect. But it is, uh, it is relatable because uh, he watched it. Like I said, my Caden at home, he watched it with me, not the spicy parts. But uh -huh. he, he watched it and he would say, what is he doing? I said, well, he's having a meltdown. Like you have meltdowns. He says, oh, but he's not doing this. He's not doing that. I do this. And it is, so as a viewer, he's seeing kind of, like you said, the commonalities, the similarities, he's kind of seeing himself represented, which was really cool. And Jonathan, I wanted to not forget you because you did an incredible job being Caden. How did you approach this accurately and honestly portray Caden? It's a good question. Um, so I think the difference with this role that any other role I've been approached with is um, the uh, fact that he is a nonverbal, he's nonverbal. Um, and that I sort I let that guide me through the process of going into Caden's world. Um, cause in most other, in like most neurotypical roles, um, or any verbal roles that I would normally audition for, um, I would mainly be worried about how I would deliver a specific line or, um, how it should be structured or what emotion I would emit. Whereas with Caden, since he is nonverbal, that sort of anxiety I have uh, when doing an audition was kind of relieved of me. So I would just had to focus on being in his space, being in present moment in his scenes. And uh, 
how I approached it was I sort of asked myself, well, if I wasn't able to speak, how would, how would I view the world? How would I approach the world? And so I actually went a day or two um, without speaking. And I downloaded this app on my phone that allowed me to uh, type in anything and I, it would speak it for me. And so it, for like a day or two, it was just a process of just wanting to say something, not being able to, and having to rely on my device to be able to communicate. And just from that process alone, I was able to, I had this whole like whirlwind of like emotion and thought that just kind of like entered through, entered through me. And I used that experience to understand where Caden could be coming from. From there, it was just more exploring into into myself and uh, a lot of traits and behaviors that I've actually had to hide for most of my life. It was like I was reliving and re-experiencing what it was like to be me for a while. It was just more of a process of finding myself again and using that to put into Caden's experience. You've gone through periods in your life where you had to mask. You've had to to cover up and to suppress. Did you meet Connie's brother? I I met Connie's brother, Roy, um, on one of our days on set. Um, The first time Connie and I met, she mentioned that she had a brother who's on the spectrum um, and is nonverbal. But I've only seen like images and like videos that that she's shown us. I didn't necessarily use Roy for research. He was more just like a buddy that I just happened to meet and, uh, and happened to get along with. I actually had a friend of mine, um, a friend of mine has a brother who is uh, also like nonverbal and on spectrum. And I sort of, I hung out with him for a day and I just became more curious as to like, what's going, like what goes on for them. Like in in one moment, um, they'll be happy and uh, they'll be happy and giggly and like want to play with you. And then the next minute they're done. And interesting to see like, what the world is like for them and so i mainly like i started off like just by using my experience alone and then connie and i worked together to create caden from many different experiences that um we've seen and we have we have heard and been through together um and it was just a process of taking what we knew what we've experienced in our lives and creating a character based off that experience into someone that's entirely new. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because the concept of uh, being nonverbal, you know, not speaking, people that don't or aren't in the, the circle or they don't understand, they say, oh, how hard could it be? It Really hard. I mean, my mine was, he was uh, nonverbal till he was six. And we didn't have, I, we didn't have that, the high tech, the, the, you know, the apps on the cell phone or anything like that. We had laminated pictures of a bottle or, you know, of his cow. He would take it and he would give it to you. He had a little machine that, you know, he would grab your chin to get your attention. It, people don't understand. It is, it's not just being quiet. I mean, anybody could, you know, you'd be quiet for an hour, but to not be able to communicate your needs, the simplest of basic needs, you have to go potty. People don't get it. And I think that a, a film like this is so important to to point out that, oh, my God, the scene on the bus, why are there such horrible 
people that can't leave people alone just because they look and he didn't even look like outrageously different he just had some headphones on why why do people have to get into other people's business it just doesn't mm-hmm. you know claim it's so important to have uh, films like this that people can maybe watch and and understand a little better what people are going through definitely yeah well i know we're getting close on time connie what is uh what is up next for you that's always a good question finishing when time got louder is always the first one (laughs) we are very excited to be releasing in the u.s with gravitas ventures uh in theaters and on vod this weekend and then uh finishing off our international distribution and then hopefully doing some uh direct for hire work as i write my second feature which is very very different in tone from this one it's a comedy about three women in a quarter life crisis and uh all the things that brought me stress and tears and wrinkles during the process of uh, editing this film from Jonathan's really gut-wrenching performances. I'm going to do the opposite with the next movie. It's like therapy. (laughs) (laughs) And Jonathan, what's up next for you? Whatever life throws at me, again, what what Connie said, finishing this film, um, I'll I'll be sticking with her through the process. Right now, it's, uh, it feels like I'm at a point in my life where like, Anything could happen. And so I'm just waiting for the next thing that comes towards my way. Jonathan, can people follow you on social media? Yep. They can follow me on Instagram, uh, Jonathan Sameo Official. If you wanted to, I have a YouTube channel. You can just search up my name and you may be able to find me. Um, and I also have Facebook to search up my name, Jonathan Sameo. Um, and that's those are my socials. All righty. Perfect. Connie? Yep, people can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Connie Kokia, C-O-C-C-H-I-A. And then we also have an Instagram page for When Time Got Louder, as well as on all the other platforms as well, just by its title. And uh, we really encourage people, if they want to help support indie filmmaking, to go follow us on those platforms and check out where they can find the film. And uh, really appreciate all your time today having us. I wish we had more time, honestly, but I think so much for making this film as a as a mom of an autistic you got me girl well, thank you so much <laughs> hearing hearing from uh you know individuals and families that are impacted definitely is what makes uh this film process the most rewarding so really appreciate that you connected to the film and that we've had the opportunity to hear from your experiences as well because i think it's very important that we keep bringing voices uh to what parents and neurotypical siblings and these individuals go through on a day-to-day basis so thank you for for having us and having the opportunity to speak more about that component of the film absolutely well guys thank you so much i hope you have wonderful days thank you you as well this has been an odd imagination production here at odd imagination you'll find book film television, and product reviews, as well as roundtable discussions, current events, and hot topics. We are advocates for equality and the freedom to be who you are, no matter what. Odd Imagination gets its name from autism and imagination, two things that are very important to us. If you would like more information on Odd Imagination and the podcasts that we host on our website, you can visit oddimagination.org. A-U-T-I-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N dot org.
don't seem to be in control I ain't I can see I'm killing her and it's killing me She knows the poison pulling me. She knows all about the drug. I plagiarize all my apologies, and they still want enough. I know, I know, I know that I should let her go, but I don't, I don't, I don't seem to be in control. I ain't blind, I can see. I know, I know, I know that I should let her go, but I don't.